Kenzie, space again, gets the pass away for Lampy! Oh, 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 welcome to the All Black Podcast. And after five games on the bounce in the Rugby Championship, the All Blacks have had a few weeks off before getting into another five-game stretch. This Saturday, they play the US Eagles, FedEx Field, Maryland, D.C., first time the teams have met since 2014 in Chicago. To preview this game and discuss one of the great rugby careers is Eagles legend Todd Clever. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Mate, firstly, congratulations. Uh, recently inducted into the U.S. Hall of Fame, and from what I can see, that is hugely deserved. You're the Eagles' most capped player. 76 test matches over a 15-year career. Christ, if you had a 15-year career for the All Blacks, you might have got 150 or 160. We play that many games these days, but that's an amazing effort. Um, played rugby in New Zealand, South Africa, Japan, the UK, and also, of course, in North America. You've got to be one of the great rugby nomads of uh, world rugby, to be honest, mate, but congratulations. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun career. That's, that's definite. And uh, always kept things interesting of, you know, living out of a suitcase, uh, you know, never putting out pictures on the walls and and uh, checking out all uh, corners of the globe. So it's a, it, was, it was a fun time and uh, I was able to escape rugby, uh, you know, reasonably healthy. So I'm very active now being able to surf and hike and do all the outdoorsy stuff. So it's uh, it treated me well. Now I'm able to give back to the sport, which is, uh, which is extremely exciting. Oh, no, it's so well done, mate. But what I do love to see is that you, you know, you haven't shed your rugby personality, the long hair, the beard, it's still there, even though you're not, you know, running out on the, in between the white lines, you've, you've kept that intact. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm still getting a lot of slack from my mom saying, you're not going to get a real job. You, you've got to grow up sometime. You're <laughs> playing, you know, you've got to look presentable. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was great because during quarantine, I just had, had an excuse of, you know, not going to the hairdresser or shave. But now, uh, you know, things are getting back to normal. I, I have no excuses. So it's just, it's just pure laziness. Uh, mate, I think keep it. I, I once saw a picture of Sebastian Chabelle when he wasn't shaving with long hair. And it just wasn't the same, mate. It just wasn't the same. So I reckon you should hang on to it. But um, look, first, before we go into the game um, this weekend between the All Blacks and the US Eagles, you were actually part of the last game that was played back in 2014. 60,000 people at Soldier Field, which is pretty cool. Um, Kieran Reid running out, Sonny Bill Williams, Dan Carter came off the bench. Must have been a pretty amazing experience for you. And um, what do you remember of, of that fixture now, you know, seven years ago? Yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, just the whole hype, it just wasn't the game. Uh, you know, being in Chicago, uh, you know, the, the Chicago just won a World Series. So the sports maniac, um, AIG was a big sponsor. All Blacks did such a great job of, of promoting it as well. So, you know, we were able to sell out Soldier Field. And uh, yeah, it was just, just the whole hype of that whole week. And then running out, facing the Hawk in front of that massive uh, American crowd was great. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the big names that you mentioned, you know, I always, I played against or with all those guys, you know, in Japan or, or against super rugby or, or both. So yeah, it was, uh, it was good catching up with, with everybody playing against them. And, you know, it was, uh, it, it, the, the people definitely saw an amazing, uh, all black team then, and, and they're about to see him again. Like for you, because, you know, back then you were a player with a bit of experience, you played rugby in different parts of the world, like you say, played with some of the the world's top players already played in professional leagues, but perhaps that wasn't the case for all the guys in your team. Um, you know, it was a big part of your job just trying to prepare the lads for what it was like to play against, you know, a team that's fully professional, a team in front of, you know, 50, 60,000 people, which might not be, 
you know, what they normally do every Saturday was a big part of the job for you, just trying to prepare the boys for that? Yeah, I mean, that was a, a big part of uh, my career of, of being that leader and, and yep. kind of having that experience. Um, you know, I, I remember that game, um, you know, captaining that side. Uh, you know, we had, I think, four training sessions before that All Blacks. The last time we were together, it was months before. So we were, uh, you know, very well underprepared, uh, you know, uh, going into it. But now the Eagles have been been together for quite a while, um, but it's falling out of that window. So we don't know if we're going to have, you know, we're not going to have the full strength. Some of our European guys are back with their clubs. So it, it is going to be even even daunter of, of a task to, to do so. But, uh, but, you know, it shapes characters. And, and you know, you know after, after facing the world's best, you know, you know who you want to go in the trenches with. You know who, uh, you know, you can count on when, when things get tough. Because USA Rugby has, you know, a huge task ahead of them playing against All Blacks. But they have, you know, even, even bigger task of qualifying for the World Cup, uh, which, which will be following this game. Yeah, absolutely. And talk a little bit about this weekend. It's uh, for New Zealanders, it's 8 a.m. Sunday morning our time. It's in Maryland, which I think is just south of D.C., I understand. Like, whose stadium is this? What, you know, where are we playing this fixture for, for Kiwis back here who maybe don't know um, the terrain over there in, in the States? Yeah, if you follow uh, NFL, uh, American football, that's uh, the Washington football team, uh, recently known as in Washington Redskins, but they just changed their name to the Washington football. So they just played, uh, played a game there on uh, on sunday uh you know i think pretty pretty packed and i think the u.s guys went to you know watch the game and was on the sideline getting the sort of the atmosphere so they'll, they'll know what it's about and and kind of what they're running into uh but it, i mean that's it's such a great venue for to 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 have rugby games into uh american football stadiums because you can have these you know 50 60 70 000 seats uh you know and if we bring a big brand like the all blacks you're going to, you know, sell a big portion of those seats and hopefully sell the whole thing out. That's awesome. And I was going to say, you know, what can we expect? Do we expect a big crowd? And also, like, there's obviously a, an ever-growing rugby community in the States, which we can talk about. But also, you know, will we'll just sports fans go along for a lookout, you know, just to see, like you say, sort of a team um, in the area that isn't there normally? Like, who, who do we expect to see on Saturday and what's kind of the, the hype and promotion being like um, your side of the world in the lead-up to the game? So uh, USA Rugby announced two big fixtures. It was USA versus Ireland and then USA versus New Zealand. And they actually canceled the Ireland game because the, you know, COVID and they yeah. couldn't come over or whatnot. So I think there was a big surge of once they canceled that game, all the people that were in, in the country is divided. One was going to be in Vegas, one was going to be in D.C. Yeah. So I think half the people, you know, that were going to go to Vegas ended up, you know, let's 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 go check out the, the, the All Blacks versus Eagles. So they've done a great job of, of sort of promoting, giving, giving that. Um, I'm not on ground. I'm in California yeah. at the moment, but I will fly there for the game to experience and, and, and be part of the whole thing. But, uh, but I just remember in Chicago, if it's anything like that, I mean, it was, you know, light posts, you know, have, have banners, you know, you go to the airport, there was uh, posters, there was everything that was, you know, all blacks are coming and, and people know that. And that, that's, uh, you know, if you know rugby, you know, New Zealand all blacks. And, and that's, uh, that's amazing where we can really, uh, turn the sports fan into a rugby fan after seeing, you know, how skillful, how physical, how amazing 
they are during that 80 minutes, but also after that 80 minutes, how they present themselves, how gentlemanlike they are, how how they are, you know, great community and what they give back uh, to to not just the sport, but whatever they they, they touch. And I'm sure it goes both ways as well, because, you know, I've been to a few uh, sporting fixtures in the States um, over my life, and, and I watch a huge amount of it. And there's one thing you guys do well in the sport. You're great supporters. You make a real day of it. There's tailgating. There's entertainment like nothing else. Like you said before, the stadiums are absolutely amazing. So um, I expect it to be an amazing atmosphere. And, and that's the American sports fan, isn't it? You guys love it, and, and you embrace it, and you sort of give it 100% every time you turn out to watch your game. I mean, that, that's what we're trying to turn into those, uh, these American fans. I mean, turning them into tailgating, you know, make <laughs> sure they're, they're, they're coming earlier and staying late and, and they're not just there because it, it is difficult, you know, to, to pass it on to, to fans because, you know, if they go there a little bit late, it's just 90 minutes, it's 40 yeah. minute halves and a 10 minute halftime and, and it's done. There's no TV timeouts. There's no quarters. There's no, you know, anything else. It's that, that's rugby. So we really want to, you know, engage into what else is happening at the stadium. So if it can be tailgating or if it's going to be a concert afterwards or, or how it can be. So we're really, uh, you know, testing and getting a lot of data and trying to figure out how we can, you know, make a whole day of it, make it a family affair. Mate, it's, it'll be awesome. I, I have no doubt because you guys do it so well. And also, um, you know, you see it a little bit that, you know, because it falls outside of the window that some of the guys who maybe play professionally in other parts of the world might not, might not be able to make it back for it. Does that mean that we're going to see, you know, some of the most promising players from Major League Rugby, like your your local league, and and it's perhaps a showcase of some of those guys that are coming through that competition, which is growing in maturity. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, the guys that can't come, I mean, it's just gonna. I think you can count on one hand. So it's yeah. not the majority of the team. Uh, the majority of the team will be uh, all U.S. based, uh, North American based, where. It's uh, that that's played in the major league rugby guys have been in the squad for many years. Some guys are, you know, breaking through. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what the game day uh, 23 will be that Gary Gold chooses. Awesome. And I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of the rugby pathway, the landscape, et cetera, in the States, because here in New Zealand, you know, it's obviously a big part of what we do. Every local club, every school plays footy and, it, and it's, you know, reasonably straightforward about uh, how you get into it. You just go to the nearest park and, and there's a game there, but for you guys, you know, rugby is not your number one sport. You have some other really significant sports. What does it look like for a, for a young American wanting to get into rugby? Is it, you know, is it through uh, gridiron and then it's a second sport? Or like, what did it look like for yourself? Or what does it look like for others in terms of getting into the game of rugby in the USA? I mean, it's forever changing. And, and, <laughs> and, there's, so, and there's so many different pathways. And that's why you can't really limit it on it. So, I mean, there's so much youth rugby that, that's popping up, which is, which is fantastic. Uh, and then goes into age grade and then university and then hopefully academies to MLRs. Um, MLR was, was the missing piece of the puzzle uh, for, for us. And now that we've had that, now we're, we've done four years of, of it. Now we're, we should be seeing, you know, kids that are, you know, starting rugby, seeing MLR, joining that, and then ultimately make the, the Eagles. And I think that's when we're going to see, you know, us make big jumps uh, fully. Because when I played... We still had, you know, teachers, we had plumbers, we had, yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. all, you know, all sorts of walks of life. And, and, so a, good. Few of us were, and, and a few of us were, uh, were professionals. So, I mean, yeah. it was almost felt guilty, you know, being <laughs> a professional. It was like, oh, what are you up there to? I was like, oh, just painting this building or, you know, plumbing, <laughs> doing all these sort of things and teaching. So it's, uh, 
So I was extremely lucky for it. Um, and then also one of the big uh, pathways is, is converting uh, athletes, you know? So yeah. we've had track stars convert and that, that's done really well in the sevens. We've had football players, uh, wrestlers are really, you know, college collegiate wrestlers are great uh, rugby players uh, that turn into them. And then also basketball players, you know, good yeah. hands, good vision and, and aerobic. So we just, uh, I, I think we just need to get a few more of those, uh, you know, uh, basketball players that uh, that are playing uh, are just on that cusp of making uh, you know the NBA, but uh, physical enough to foul out and yeah, yeah. I mean it's pretty exciting because while you know it's obviously a different pathway to what we're used to here in New Zealand, uh, there really is like there's so many talented athletes in the states and and from what I can understand, like uh, an American football system, if you sort of if you don't make the Pee Wee team, then there's not actually a second, third, and fourth team. If you don't make the JV team, there's not a second, third, and fourth team here. Whereas in New Zealand, we sort of have multiple teams, so most people can get a game in most age groups, largely. But in the states, this you sort of run one team in each level, don't you? So I'm sure there's plenty of guys who drop off at at different stages through that journey who might be, you know, like you say. Um, potentially really good rugby players. We all grow at different times. We all come on at different times and being able to capture some of those guys might be a great opportunity. hundred uh, percent retention rate is huge. So, you know, we know what the retention rate from high school football players to high school rugby players, to college football players, to college rugby players. How can we continue them to play club, to uh, pursue their goals if it's just going to be socially or if it's going to be professionally or if they have goals to be in the Olympics or, or in the national team. Talk a little bit more about the MRL because we're actually starting to get that on a bit of television here. There's a few Kiwis playing in that competition, a few names that we know who've been running around and doing pretty well. Guys like former All Black um, Andy Ellis plus a few others. Um, there's a few coaches over there. There's even a few of the administrators are Kiwis. So it's pretty exciting. And and is um is that is that a US rugby initiative? Is that um, individual shareholders and owners of each of the clubs like what's got that up off the ground because like you say it seems like it's a bit of a missing link but it's taken a wee while to get it to the stage uh, major league rugby started with seven teams you know four years ago and uh, it's built up to you know 12 13 teams now possibly 14 with with new teams coming in so it's a, it's growing fast and it's growing a lot and you know, we don't have the player depth. We don't have the coaching depth in America. So we're going to have to import some. So obviously we're going to look at the, the world's best, looking at, you know, New Zealand, looking at South Africa, Australia, and really tying in, uh, getting those players to come over. Uh, you know, we can't really compete money-wise with France or Japan, but we can compete with, you know, longevity and, and being on the front foot of it. So it's really exciting seeing a lot of uh, big names come over. And you're a part of one of the one of the setups. You're actively involved in one of the teams. I am, yeah. So uh, I started with Austin, uh, got that off the ground. Uh, you know, was doing a little GM, doing a little director of rugby, uh, working a lot of hours and, and learning a lot uh, straight off of uh, you know playing. And uh, ultimately, we sold that franchise, and then uh, I moved over to the LA. So uh, my current position is head of strategic and partnerships. And, you know, we, uh, it's, it's a fun place to, to live and work. And I mean, you learn from the best. I mean, we're, we're, we're sharing, you know, facilities that that's close to, you know, the Lakers, you have the Dodgers, you have, you know, so many sp sports teams, we're sports rich, but we're also competing against the sun because everybody wants to be at the beach. So how can we uh, have that draw? Yeah. I mean, geez, in terms of player recruitment, I'd imagine uh, you've got one 
you know, ace up your sleeve and that's California. You know, lucky enough to be out there a few times. And as I was saying um, before we started, this is probably 20 degrees on a bad day and, and there's never a breath of wind. And, and in terms of going along to sporting fixtures and entertainment, it's, there's just so many options, isn't there? It's an amazing town. No, it is great. And uh, exactly right. I mean, the, the Giltinis, the LA MLR team, you know, the, the, the culture is, is fantastic. It's a great group of guys and, and we're getting messages from all over the world of top players wanting to be part of it because they see, you know, the magic that's being made. And, and we uh, ultimately won that championship. This is the, this yeah. uh, inaugural season of, for, for being in it. Yeah, it's awesome. Well done. Yeah, look, I hope that goes really well and continues to grow. And like, you know, from where you are, which is very much in the center of it all, is American rugby growing? Is Are you, you know, really enthused about the growth that you're seeing? You know, do you see the Eagles and all the competitions underneath that right down to participation in the sport growing over the next five to 10 years? And, and hopefully um, as well in the coming seasons may play teams like the All Blacks in Australia and South Africa a bit more than what you are, as well as um, Japan and, and some of our Pacifica teams, which are, are awesome rugby sides as well. Yeah, I mean, numbers-wise, it's growing, you know, and, and go back to retaining those players. So we want to start them out with flag and start them out barefoot, get them into schools, and then uh, ultimately into university to, you know, find out what, what their pathway is and, and how can we, you know, get as many <clears throat> boys and girls into high performance. And then ultimately that'll, uh, uh, you know, waterfall down. Mate, it's awesome to hear that there is some potential growth here or that it is already growing. It's fantastic. And, you know, you're, no one can sort of speak more about American rugby than yourself. But for you, you know, I'd imagine as a young person, you grow up, um, you're from California. So you're watching the Lakers and, and you're watching NFL and you're watching all the traditional sports that we associate America with. You know, what got you into rugby? Why did you go the way of rugby when it definitely probably wasn't front and center for a young American lad? Yeah, um, yeah, I grew up playing all sorts of sports, baseball, soccer, you know, swimming. And then um, <clears throat> my, uh, my older brother played American football and played rugby, and, and I saw the difference between it and uh, definitely fell in love with the, the culture and the aspect of it, the camaraderie, and you get to tour around the world. So <laughs> it, was an easy, it was an easy choice for me to, uh, you know, want to follow his footsteps and, uh, and to, jump into, to jump into rugby. Mate, I would have said too, like this is just my personal opinion, but one reason I'd play rugby over over American football every time is you just get to touch the ball a bit more in a, in rugby, you know, like geez, these fellas who I watch on the telly who are great athletes, but they never touch the bloody ball in American football. <laughs> you know, that, it is my favorite thing is whenever you have a crossover athlete and it's a defensive player or a lineman for football and you, you teach them skills. Yeah. The first time they, they, they touch the ball, they always light up and they <laughs> smile. And it's like, no, you can't smile all the time. There's like, I just never touch balls. I'm like, yeah, score that winning try. It's all you. Yeah, mate. Nah, it's awesome. Is it awesome? There's got to be so many potential athletes out there who are keen to get into it. Yeah, but again, like, because I suppose your, your career now is, you know, almost started 20 years ago. And yeah, I hope I'm correct in saying that there wasn't necessarily American or North American rugby teams to watch on TV or athletes or rugby players to, to look up to, idols, et cetera, et cetera, to model your game on? Like, what rugby did you watch? Who did you watch? Who were your idols? Who did you, you know, model your game on, et cetera, in, in your part of the world as a young fella? I mean, I remember getting all the VHS tapes of, uh, of Tri-Nations. <laughs> 
And uh, that's that's how I fell in love with it and how I wanted to, you know, pursue rugby. So all I watched was Tri-Nations and, and, uh, and Super Rugby. And I don't know what number it was. Maybe it was Super 10. Then I went to Super 12. And, yeah. and uh, once, once I went there, it's like, you know, I set, I set myself a goal, you know, and then I started being involved in high performance and living that lifestyle and, you know, wrote down that goal. It's like, I want to play super rugby and, and uh, add my play, favorite players, you know, and did, you know, finally moving into the YouTube era. So, you know, <laughs> I, I developed more so than, than collecting the, DV, or, uh, the, the VHSs and uh, just molding my game around uh, a couple players, you know, it was like George Smith from, from Australia, uh, great plan. Uh, defensively and, uh, and then Jerry Collins uh, yeah. from, from New Zealand. So those, uh, you know, those two, I kind of like, all right, how can I, you know, take a bit of both of them and then apply it to my game. Mate, that's awesome. And so was it, did you go off to university, was it, in Nevada? Um, and you obviously kept playing footy and, and maybe you're looking to go overseas, but also was the opportunity there to get into the Eagles squad at some stage as well. Was that correct? Yeah, so I played uh, USA Under-19 um, for three years. So 17, 18, 19, I was on the USA Under-19 team. Went to university when I was still on that. And then right when I you know, played in the last uh, Junior World Cup, uh, the next assembly for the Eagles, they brought me up. So I was, you know, 19 wow. freshman, at, you know, freshman at, at college and our university. And, you know, so I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is this is the big leagues, uh, you know, and, and then later on got my uh, first cap against Argentina in 2003. And then uh, and then actually made uh, made the World Cup team in in, uh, in 2003 in, in Australia. So it was a, it was a fast learning curve from going from, you know, Junior World Cup to to World Cup and. Uh, playing from university in front of a couple hundred people and then playing in stadiums or just like okay this is you know and, and it was just too big of a gap to you know we, we that was just where we were mate i wanted to talk a little bit about that because talk about some of the big stuff first you know you're lucky to go to three world cups and but a lot we talked a little bit about before the all black game in 2014 and i imagine there was a real mix of professionalism amateurism but there must have been a phenomenal culture and camaraderie within the team because you're coming together on the biggest stage and and you've almost sort of you've got to have each other's back in that type of environment don't you and I and it's different here in New Zealand you know we're not the biggest country in the world and, and everyone doesn't quite know everyone but there's definitely you know um, smaller degrees of separation that's for sure I, I can imagine when you pull together an American rugby team geographically they've come from all over as well there's probably fellas you've never met before like you say There'll be professional players. There'll be part-time players. There'll be drain layers, bankers. You know, it must be just a phenomenal, eclectic mix of people who then have to go out and play a fully professional international rugby team in a World Cup. Like that's that's a hell of a thing, isn't it? Yeah, and and, and that's you know sort of the only time we ate were before. Now we're getting uh, some big games now, but that was the only time we played these like big tier one nations. Yeah, was you know at the World Cup. And that was the only time we had, you know, proper training. So you had these cowboys, you had these bankers, you had these teachers, <laughs> plumbers, and a few professional guys. And then we had guys that, you know, their grandparents were, were American and, you know, come over. So yep. it was, you know, all walks of life all around the world and, uh, and competed. So it, it was, it was a very, you know, like you said, collected group of, uh, you know, men uh, with, with a common goal and, 
knowing going into something all right we don't want to you know we, we first it was we just want to compete we're yeah. happy to be here and then once we started making steps it's like all right let's take it to the next level let's let's uh let's not just be happy to be here let's compete let's let's challenge and, and let's win some games and were there times um in world cup fixtures in particular where you really felt that you know were maybe periods in certain games against big nations where you're like geez we're holding or holding our own here like we're really competing and and it sort of showed showed that advancement and perhaps even a little bit more belief in the lads. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it kind of comes in waves, you know, and, and it starts up from the top. And, do, and you can tell if a coach believes in you. You could coach if, you know, if the president believes in you. And uh, my first assembly, 2003, or first World Cup, 2003, um, we, we beat Japan. We, we fell to Fiji by, I think, one point or two points. Uh, so, so there were there were... Some some very close uh, you know you know games on on that one. Uh, the following 2007, uh, it, it was it was a bit it was a bit rougher of a ride with uh, you know England, uh, Tonga, Samoa, and and uh, South Africa or pool. Oh, so it was, that was the pool was of tough. death. Yeah, hundred percent. And then uh, and then and then 2011, uh, we, we were prepared really well. You know, we had the time together, um, and then you know we. Uh, came pretty close to a couple of victories, came away with one. And it was, uh, so, so, you know, our, our goal is, you know, get two, two wins in a world cup, which hasn't happened uh, for, for us team. Cause that automatically, you know, qualifies. Then you can, you know, focus instead of having uh, to qualify, focus on that world cup. So. And it was, um, was it 2011? You were captain of the team in the oh. 2000 World Cup in New Zealand, and, and we'll talk a little bit about this in a bit, but a place you had been. That must have been pretty special for you, like going back to a place where firstly you had watched a huge amount of uh, rugby growing up, like you say, some players that you really admired uh, growing up and, and almost modelled your game on to then go back to that country, be captain of your national side, and by the sounds of it, had a pretty good tournament as well in 2011. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, honestly, it felt like, you know, coming home, you know, because I because I lived there for a couple of years and I had a lot of teammates and a lot of friends there. So it was uh, it, it was like a coming home and and being so, you know, proud to, you know, wear that red, white, blue and and to perform well and seeing old coaches and, and teammates and good friends still to this day. And is it for you? And I suppose this has paved the way for the others as well, while it's, it's really hard going at, at World Cups for the States because it's the absolute pinnacle of the rugby world. You're playing fully professional sides, but also it puts yourself and others up in lights, you know, up on that stage. And I think for you, it was probably, was it the 2007 World Cup that um, created opportunities for you to go and play professional rugby in other parts of the world? Talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, like I said, we were, we were very well prepared going into the 2007 with time. And it was just, you know, amazing how committed the guys were you know stopping you know putting their whole lives on hold just so they can prepare for this tournament and we all out of our own pockets you know lived to train together in denver colorado in the mountains and you know living in dorms and you know six to you know a dorm room it was it was crazy but you know we got so close and we were really fit and um yeah i was just committed and and our first game was against england and and that was, we, we played, you know, and they, they're coming off of world champs uh, yep. from 2003 to going in. And that was our first game. And it was awesome. You know, we played really well. It was a proud performance that we had. Um, and, and then for me personally, uh, you know, that was my first start at the World Cup and, and then started all the games. 
and had a, had a pretty good tournament. But I think the game against South Africa is really what changed a few of our lives of, you know, they ended up winning the World Cup and, and we had a great game, scored a couple great tries. And uh, after that tournament, there was, uh, yeah, I had a handful of contracts, uh, you know, in England or France. And ultimately, I chose to go to South Africa because, like I said earlier, my goal was to play Super Rugby once it and, and, you know, making making the, the pound or the, new, or the South African <laughs> rand is a big difference, you know, probably. <laughs> probably the worst financial decision I've ever made, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, you know, it's priceless checking off a, a goal that you set for yourself and, and, uh, and it all worked out, paid off. And, and I had a great time, uh, you know, living in South Africa. An amazing place. And it was probably, was it the Todd clever intercept that went out wide to, was it your winger in the end and regularly features on highlights packages for world cups. One of the, one of the great tries against South Africa that probably put a few of the boys on the map. I think it is your wingers probably, you know, done the YouTube reels or, or rounds, God knows how many times when he went round Havana to score that try. Exactly, exactly. But, but the person who says it best is probably uh, Brian Havana himself. You know, <laughs> he, he knows it. And uh, I, I mean, I think he can only uh, laugh at because he ended up winning the World Cup and then I think he scored, you know, two or three tries that game anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's okay. I think he's okay. But um, yeah, look, let's go back to your first overseas rugby experience and was that in New Zealand in North Harbour like what what got you out there like how did you get out to New Zealand and and talk us a little bit um about that experience and and even though you didn't end up getting a, a super rugby contract during that period you know did it set you up for for future experiences oh absolutely so I was I was at university I was I was on the national team I was I, was, I made the sevens circuit as well so I was you know quite busy and uh John McKittrick uh, he's a, he was a coach uh, for, for Mahurangi and North Harbor Sevens, uh, and then he was coaching the USA Sevens team, and he invited me. It was just an invite, you know. It was like oh. I can get you in front of coaches. Uh, you can you can you know stay at my place for a bit, and uh, you know see how it kind of goes. So I was like, you know what, this is this is all I need is a chance to to prove myself yeah. against the, against the best. And ultimately, uh, signing a contract with North Harbor, played a couple of seasons of club rugby with Mahrangi, uh, a couple of sevens tournaments, national sevens tournaments down in Queenstown, which was amazing, and then, <laughs> and then a few, and then a few games with uh, with Harbor. So it was, it was uh, the the learning curve was massive. I loved it, and uh, and it definitely shaped me. Uh, having mentors like John McKittrick, you know, teach me, you know, how it is, and 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 just how important rugby is not just you know at training or you know at on the games you know but but ultimately having it you know be part of your uh, your dna mate did you enjoy it like did you enjoy sort of um the grassroots side of things as well the club rugby which is a big part of new zealand rugby a big part of our fabric and and goes through to that npc level but did you enjoy the experience and even though you're a young man and it was it was early days for you something you look back on fondly yeah, I mean, I think I was 20 or I was 21 when I moved to New Zealand. I mean, when you're 21, you want to be in America, you want to stay at college. <laughs> so, you know, so putting off my friends and social life to pursue a dream uh, was was, you know, a big, a big, you know, ask for a young guy. But, you know, I saw where I wanted to be. And what I learned from the grassroots and club rugby, um, I, I take on with 
every time I coach now or, or every time I, you know, lead a team or suggestions, the things that we did and how we bonded and, and how prideful we were of, of wearing the colors and, and what things stand for, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take those things to the grave. Oh, that's it, mate, because you were at the University of Nevada, which I understand that's, that's Las Vegas, isn't it? Like as a young fella, that's, that's a hell of a decision because there's good times to be had there. That's for sure. I'm sure there's some studies to be done as well, but that's a, that's a party town, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reno, yeah, Reno and then Vegas and all in Nevada. It's a, it's a bit of a crazy, crazy town. Uh, mate, we'll leave those stories for the B side of this one, but there's <laughs> um, mate, the, you know, you spent a huge amount of time or you, you basically, you lived or played out you know, one of your early rugby dreams or goals was to play in Super Rugby. Um, for the Lions, first American player to play Super Rugby, first American player to score a try in Super Rugby, just an absolute trailblazer, really. How did that opportunity come about? And, and like you say, maybe not um, financially the best contract you ever could have taken, but another country that absolutely loves their footy, um, a great rugby country, and it must have been a great experience. Yeah, I, I toured South Africa a few times before, so I knew the country, but I never, I was never in Johannesburg. And whenever I had the contract came up, uh, Coach uh, Eugene Eloff really took a chance on me. Uh, it, was, it was actually a porter that was at the World Cup, and they, they knew each other, and they're looking for, you know, potential to think outside the box, and, and my name came up, and, 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 and the rest is kind of history. And I remember the slack that he got for, for choosing me. And I remember the, the pressure I had from, from the media and the players. Yeah. And uh, ultimately it, uh, it worked out. And, and I mean, just to have Ellis Park, uh, you know, your home stadium, the, the yeah. history from, you know, just a cauldron. walking out there and just, it, it's just massive world cups there. I mean, it was, it was mind blowing. So there's no way I was going to turn that, turn that down and, and, and being able to take off that, that, uh, that, that dream and, and that goal. So, you know, it kind of came up after that 2007 uh, World Cup. And it was, um, you know, like you say, maybe there was some trepidation about your selection in the early days. You, you almost looked South African anyway, mate, with the long hair and the beard and all that sort of carry on. So you probably visually fitted in really, really well. But did you just earn your stripes through playing well? You know, like, did you, you know, because they are they're fantastic people, the South African people, they're great hosts. It's a wonderful place um, to go and travel. And I'm sure it was to live as well. Once you sort of, you know, put some performances on the paddock and earn your stripes, um, you know, that, that noise went away. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was quite loud at the beginning. And I'll tell you a funny story. And I tell it often is, you know, when I signed me and we're at preseason camp and there was a photo on the cover of uh, the sports section and it had a picture of me and it said, would China import rice? why would we import a flanker? You know, <laughs> I get it. So I'm just yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. man, I'm really up against it. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't go in there, you know, when everybody was open arms. I mean, yep. everybody was pretty reserved and pretty like, well, what is this guy, you know, doing? Does he belong here? It was very off our cons. So I was, I was up against it. And ultimately it was, it was the, after the first game, we played the Cheetahs at home and I came off the bench in, in the first, uh, first game of the season. And I made a big hit, had a good run, support play, just, just really made a good impact and, and we ended up winning. And I, it was just overnight, media stopped, it was all yeah. praise. Teammates Brilliant. were actually, now I got invited to people's houses and like, you know, <laughs> and it, but it was, it, was, it was a tough, you know, um, for a month bra- or boy. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you definitely have to prove yourself and, and, and your worth and, and uh, you know, I welcome the challenge and, and, and luckily it all paid off. 
Also, too, would that be, um, and I could be wrong, but was that was that almost your your first real step in or experience of full professionalism? You know, like you you'd obviously you you're obviously a dedicated guy. You'd already had goals. You'd sacrificed a lot to do all the things you'd done in rugby to that date. But you know, you were you were very much a full time professional footy player now amongst some some really good players and a really strong competition. That must have been, you know, in terms of improvement and performance and and getting great habits in place perhaps you know really where you cut your teeth yeah you could definitely say that I mean New Zealand was a huge learning curve you know I was lucky enough to to, to sign a contract lucky enough to play in the sevens tournaments and and, and have a few games with Harbour um, but you know for the full-time living breathing actually doing well uh, you know, financially, it was it was definitely in in New Zealand, uh, in in South Africa. So uh, it was it was it was, and it was another learning curve, you know. And, and I didn't, you know, I was there for just a, just a couple of years as well. But uh, it was it was definitely an enjoyable time. As Kiwis, we we see the Super Rugby stuff. You know, there's a lot of Kiwi rugby fans who who will recognise you from your time either with the States of the World Cups or whether it be in Super Rugby as well. Um, but maybe some of the stuff we didn't see is probably some of the stuff that maybe means the most to you because what it looks like from a distance is no matter what, you've always gone back and, and played for the Eagles is always given hundred percent for the Eagles. Didn't matter what team you're with at the time and probably earning a lot more money with those teams, but you get back and play for your national side. And it's probably, you know, is it the world cup qualifiers? Is it the Churchill cup? Is it the grudge matches with Canada or the other teams that you've got to play against to be sort of the American one qualifier for the world cup is, are those actually, you know, in terms of a, an American Eagles player, the real test matches because they they seriously mean something. You know, they're the ones um, they're going to get you to the big stage, or, or they're the ones with the most tradition, or, or the ones that you actually play the most regularly. Yeah, I, I mean, when I first um, got capped and, and joined the team for US, it, it was never my goal to be captain. Yep. You know, you know, I was just happy to, to be there contributing, working my butt off and, and, and leading by example. But it, my, it was never about my voice and, and wanting that, you know, captain armband. Once that captain armband was, was given to me and, and me asking to lead the country, uh, the, the team, I knew if I was going to take that, it would have to be my priority. Yep. So after every contract I signed, there was always a clause saying, I, ha- I have the right to go back to America and, and play. That's awesome. And, you know, it, you know, and, and, it, and it definitely closed some of the doors. Oh, you know, yep. you know, yep. but at the end of the day, it's sort of, you know, I think it will work out. I knew it was going to work out because, you know, I'm not going to just, you know, chase money and, and leave my brothers that, you know, I'm telling them what to do and then I don't do it, you know, so it was, it was, it was definitely, definitely that. So the only time I, I did opt not to go to a national team, uh, you know, and that was when I was in South Africa, when the British and Irish lions were coming to South oh, Africa. Wow. Yeah. So it was a tough decision. It was either go home and play against an Irish team that was, you know, not full strength because they, they're the British yep. and Irish lions. Um, or was I going to stay, you know, in South Africa to play against the British and Irish Lions? So it was Lions versus Lions. And, uh, you know, I, I had to sleep on it because, you know, 
but there's never been an American to do so. I know that it's, it's important to, you know, to, to make those statements and, and to learn, you know, how, what a big deal was. Cause I was in New Zealand whenever the Lions toured there and I, you know, the whole country stopped. I remember yeah. everything and going to the games, it was, it was brilliant. So I wanted to be part of that. So selfishly, that was the only time I chose, uh, you know, a club over, over country um and that was and, and that game right there it uh that one also you know was very memorable and you know gave me other opportunities after that after that performance uh, and that 2009 uh lions tour to Safka is is famous isn't it that was an unbelievably brutal and hotly contested series that uh Safka only just came through with a couple of kicks on full time wasn't it it was unreal it must have been awesome to be in the country during that tour exactly and and uh you know just the vibe and and having a few of my teammates, you know, part of the part of the Springboks, and you know, like uh, Jacques Ferry scoring that try in the corner, yeah. you know, bailed over. Uh, you know, he was, he was a lion, so it was it was so good to cheer on your 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 buds. Mate, I want to talk to you a little bit. It's it is such a story, career. You have been everywhere. You have played with so many people. You have been coached by so many different, um, you know, really well known coaches around the world and different continents. You know, the only thing that seems to stand out is you tried your hardest to stay away from the colder temperatures. Maybe you had a little peak, peak there in in Newcastle for a while, but you always seem to manage to be able to do it um, in a reasonably warm climate. But like, who's who's some of the highlights in terms of players? You know, best teammate, um, best players. You know, does anyone really stick out because you've you've played with so many greats? Yeah, you know, I'm very fortunate. And, uh, you know, after my, you know, few seasons in, in South Africa, I went to Japan and I was in Japan for five years, uh, you know, playing under Eddie Jones and, Ugh. you know, that character. And, yeah. you know, he had his, uh, you know, George Gregan was on the team. And then the year after uh, uh, he left, then uh, George Smith came, someone that I, wow. you know, really looked up to. So having, having that uh, in that competition w- w- was great because you, you are a full-time athlete and you, a lot is uh, asked on you, but, uh, but you're able to, you know, experience the Japanese culture and get to know, you know, some yep. of your good teammates. So, uh, you know, there's, there's been so many, um, you know, great teammates along, along the way, uh, you know, playing in Hong Kong in the tens, playing, uh, you know, you know, Mills, Milena, you know, classic guy. I mean, there's just, you know, so many, so many all blacks that I've been able to play, play with uh, through, through socially, uh, through competitive rugby, um, you know, and, and it's just so blessed. So too many to name, that's for sure. Mate, I wanted to finish on, on one of your passions and one of your projects that you're working on at the moment, the Todd Clever Foundation, um, which is, you know, a big part of what you're up to now that's post-rugby and, and you're into some of the administrative side. Tell us a little bit about that because it sounds like uh, in a country like you're in, it's an awesome endeavor and something's going to help grow the game, be, be part of uh, one of the things in the mix to help grow the game in the States. Yeah, I mean, it is my passion, you know, after playing and even towards the end of my career, I was I was on the board of directors for USA Rugby. I've, I've done a lot of work for, for World Rugby. I've done stuff with Olympics and, and there's a lot of things going on. But as much as you care, if you're part of a huge organization, sometimes your voice isn't enough and sometimes your passion just doesn't align. So yep. I created my own foundation and, and, and it's to, you know, uplift and, and unite the rugby community and giving athletes and coaches and teams opportunities that, that they couldn't. So, you know, all that with, you know, proving and, and, and passing on the exceptional values of our sport, you know, and that's passion, teamwork, enjoyment, respect, sportsmanship, and discipline. So 
all those pillars is, is something that, you know, really help out with the crossover athletes, really help out the young, you know, boys and girls and, and in your city that they didn't have that before. And it's really changing a lot of boys and girls' lives and turning them into, you know, women and men that they can be proud of society and everything else. So, you know, I've been given so many, you know, rugby balls to schools. I've been giving jerseys and, and kit sponsors and grants out. Um, and ultimately I want to give scholarships uh, to, to people and those scholarships are going to be overseas once the world, you know, opens up completely back up and it's going to be where I played. So it's going to be one in New Zealand, one in South Africa, one in awesome. Japan, one in England, and then in America to, to give, because I mean, that's what changed my life is traveling, living different cultures, understanding, you know, different religions, understanding and eating food and appreciating people because there's such good people. And, and, and especially it's around sport, it's got that power to change. So I'm just so, so happy to, and blessed to be in a position to, to give back to the sport and seeing, seeing the, the direct effect of change. Mate, that's awesome. Um, I hope that goes well. Um, it sounds like you're a big part of, of growing the game in the US. It sounds like there is some growth too, which is really exciting. I hope that the Eagles are competitive on Saturday, not too competitive, of course, because I want the All Blacks to get up. But um, I hope it's a, an awesome occasion. Enjoy it. It's great to see that you're getting out there and I hope there's a massive crowd and it's a great atmosphere and also really looking forward to seeing the growth of the game up your way because um, we need, you know, we just want the game to grow and, and be as strong as possible. So I really appreciate all the work you're doing to that. Thank you so much, mate, for giving us your time. I'll let you go back to enjoying, you know, the California climate. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I'm going to be at that game. So uh, go All Blacks, go Eagles. You know, hopefully the fans will get their money's worth. I'll, uh, I'll be sure to send you some photos uh, behind the scenes and, and, and what's personal. So be good. Awesome. Thank you so much, mate. I appreciate it. That's awesome.